With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Kind of a hard logical disconnect to make. Celebration is not allowed, but hurting people is encouraged. Can I say that this this is actually much more difficult than I imagined? Because it's, <laughs> as, as most people think, it's like it's either one or the other. It's fun. I mean, even Zach Ranky last time I was talking to him was like, at the end of it was like, I'm trying to think of questions now that I have you here. I have to think of questions for you. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars number 12, where we're too depressed to think up a tagline anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by Chris Sherwin and Joshua Hausen, as is our custom around here. We are going to talk about a big brawl and a big losing streak. And once we get through all that stuff, uh, the Blue Jays picked up a player off of waivers have a newly injured player, have some guys on the rehab trail, uh, and we have a, a couple of do-overs possibly in there. And then, the piece de resistance, we are going to play. Swing and a drive? One more time for the, uh, with a special guest, I should say, the Blue Jay Hunter. Ian Hunter has agreed to join us and come on and see if he can, uh, if he can best one of our regular contestants. So all that said and done, gentlemen, where do I start with the brawl? Where is the beginning? Do I start all the way back last October? Do we need to hear that story again? Oh, my goodness. You know what? We have an interview, too. <laughs> you want to try that again? <laughs> no. I, I, I literally forgot about the interview. That's how overwhelmed I am today. Eno <laughs> Saris is going to be in the middle of all that. And he's going to talk about the Blue Jays in the clubhouse when they were in San Francisco. Some cool stuff there. Where do I start with the brawl? I'd like just before you start with the brawl and everything, since you didn't want to edit that part out, I'm going to give you something to edit now. Okay. This week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I don't want you to put too fine a point on it, Josh. But what do you really want to say? (laughs) Don't beat around the bush. (laughs) Oh, sorry, sorry. Don't use all your fancy words. (laughs) This week. Okay, now, sorry, you want to talk about a brawl? <laughs> I did, apparently. Um, there are so many bad takes. Well, okay, there are hot takes everywhere, but there are bad takes everywhere on this whole thing. Violence is cool again. Um, Roofnet Ordur took exception after Bautista slid into him after being hit, slid in at second base. Everybody knows 
They were about to have some kind of altercation, and Odor opened it up with a really, really good right cross from a technical standpoint. Um, and then uh, it all just went south. Yeah. And then everybody decided to have a really strong opinion about everything. So I'll start actually with Chris, because I know on Twitter, Chris, you made a tweet that got you a whole lot of reaction. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Which is unusual uh, <laughs> for you. You don't have like 6,000 followers like, say, I don't know, does Gideon have 6,000 followers? <laughs> 3,000 or something like that. Right. Well, well, I yes, I tweet maybe once or twice a week. Um, and this particular tweet got me a little bit of attention because it was um, responding to Evan Grant, Texas beat writer, He's known for his rational viewpoint on so many Yes, things. absolutely. Incredibly rational. Uh, he made a comment about um, Bush like being like an instant hero among Texas fans um, for hitting Bautista. And I just made a real smug remark about like, oh, by hitting a guy with a baseball, congratulations. And he, instead of just responding to my tweet, he retweeted and responded. He willed Yes, he wildered me in order to get the crazy fascist Texas fans all over me, and it worked, which are... Uh, he responded with, it's baseball. And I said something smart back. <laughs> I can't really remember. But it was, it was yeah, it was kind of um, inappropriate. Uh, so anyways, I was <laughs> attacked after that, and I'm going to read some of my favorites. Uh, your fan mail. Uh, so you, you might need yes. to get this bleep button back out again, Greg. E yeah. <laughs> button is just on standby. I'm putting it on my desk. Yeah. It's like uh, the easy button, but it's not. <laughs> First one from a gentleman named Tanner just wrote, ha, 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 quit your bitchin', your being Y-E-R. Uh, next comes Mr. Patrick France. I loved it. Rangers should hit Bautista every single time. Classy oh. Massey. <laughs> Classy Massey. No, Clay Massey, sorry. Clay Massey wrote, do you expect him to hit him with a football? Oh. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, Jacob Torres, uh, I, I got He threw some solid shade at me. I got to give him props for this because earlier in the game, uh, when Bautista hit the go-ahead double, put them up five to two, I wrote something along the lines of glorious Rangers tears. So he responded to me with glorious Blue Jays fans tears. So I got to give him props to that because that was that was quality comeback. I'll that's, give him that's that. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Congratulations, Jacob Torres. Um, and then For what Mr. Worth, Chris, Chris here is reading like the nicer of the ones. He got some. <laughs> Ones that we oh, can't no, 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 really no, no, no. read I'm, on the podcast. No, or you going to read them anyway? In, okay. I'm going in order, Josh. Don't you worry. Okay, we don't want to make this podcast six hours, Chris. <laughs> he does want to make it six hours. <laughs> All right. So then a gentleman named Jeff came back with, you mad, eh? Toronto fan base were a bunch of classless asshats last postseason. Okay. Uh, a few of them were. Yes, I'll give him that. Uh <laughs> Up next, Ryan Welton. It'll be Argo season soon enough. Okay. And here comes... Here's you where probably had to look that up. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is where it all goes downhill. Um, M4 Bama writes, USA, USA. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. And then, hey, when Venezuelan is... punches a Dominican, you got to chant that. Yeah, you just you just have to. <laughs> Grant Boone writes, when it's your team, it's awesome. When it's the opponent, it's classless and dirty. I'm guiltier than I'd like. So, you know, maybe, yeah. Yeah, Good it's for still him, not awesome when my team gets in a fight. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, here comes Mr. Hunter. If you don't understand that, not then Ian. I... No, not, not Ian. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you don't understand that, then I question your baseball intellect. I would have drilled him game one, no doubt. Well, then, Mr. Hunter, I question your baseball intellect for not understanding <laughs> so basically we don't code. need to keep reading all of these because uh, the point is kind of clear texas fans are very happy oh yeah overjoyed um at him getting hit and then at him, at getting, him getting hit, hit again hit. in a different way there is uh i don't want to like run roughshod over so to you to you josh what is the central problem with the whole the biggest issue, because there's well, a lot of issues at work here. Well, well, I mean, there's one central issue, really, which is that baseball is okay with this level of violence and this level of reaction to hitting to a guy hitting a home run in a big playoff spot. And we're going to get to this at probably in a little bit more depth, or we could just do it right now. They didn't suspend Matt Bush. They acknowledged that he threw at Bautista and did not suspend him. And by doing that, they tacitly said this is okay so really like all these ranger reactions are being endorsed by the leak which is insane uh i think that's a huge problem um i i think yeah right there if if you do something on the baseball field which hurts no one um you are allowed to take out physical retribution upon them for either no penalty or minimal penalty. Yeah. I don't understand. I and, am. And this is being celebrated too. Did you see the, I mean, we're, this is just about Matt Bush, but I mean, we're going to door. Did you see what the minor league team did? The Frisco Rough Riders? That was going to be my do-over. <laughs> well, you can do it right now, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, did the, they do, Chris? The, uh, the Rough Riders are celebrating the punch with, uh, what is it, like a giveaway cup, a souvenir cup? No, 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 uh, it's a drink they're selling, and you can buy the souvenir cup. Oh, uh, okay, right. So uh, it's, yeah, it's actually like a, a like Dr. Prepper fruit punch combination or something like that. Um, and, yeah, like the, the, the cup itself has just like, you know, a, a drawing punching. of the punch. Yeah. It's called Rugi's Red Punch. Aha. Uh-huh. And the and the, the announcement said introducing Rugi's Red Punch. It won't knock you off your feet, but one sip and you'll in brackets bat flip. So, the vice the vice president. Oh, go ahead. So, sorry, the vice president said Odor is a feisty, energetic player, and we have to come up with a perfect drink to honor him. <sighs> yeah. And we go back two months, and I remember very clearly that the problem with the young players in baseball was Bryce Harper, who seemed to enjoy winning. Well, that's And he bad. was roundly, roundly uh, made fun of and put down by a generation of manly men who think the game should be played the manly way, which is to say 
by pummeling one another. This is going to be a vast improvement over jumping up and down when you hit a home run and fist pumping when you get a strikeout. How how do these people wake up and come up with these opinions that this is the better world to live in? I don't understand. Yeah, it's really it's really kind of a hard logical disconnect to make. Celebration is not allowed, but hurting people the is children. encouraged. It's nuts. You know, like yeah. Rick Nodor is a hero for punching a guy in the face on a baseball field. Jose Bautista is an extreme villain for flipping his bat in celebration of a three-run game-winning home run in a decisive playoff game. Yeah. There's just no logical way that you can get from one of those to the next and have it be, you know, okay. Yeah, and and if you look at it, well, some people will go, well, it was Bautista's hard slide, which is a lousy excuse because it's not about that. Um, but even if it was, he, there was nothing egregious about the slide nope. to lead to fisticuffs. You you might get a guy who would say something about it, um, or ask why he went in so hard, or you know, uh, there might be discussion about why a guy has to get out of the way. But he didn't even have his spikes up. This was not a Chase Utley or I don't know if anybody remember. Was it Matt Holiday trying to kill or somebody in the playoffs? Rugnet Odor? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we went in that direction. It's like he knows what it's like to be a middle infielder, and he knows what it's like to take out the ankle of a middle infielder. And yet he is the one. He he took out someone on a slide, and then he instigated a fight in the minor leagues. So yes, he did. The problem is, in this situation, the small problem is Rufnet Odor and his inability to not be a violent individual. The bigger problem is everybody cheering him on. Like, that's a horrible precedent to set. Just ridiculous. And what? the other thing, sorry, one more thing, is people talk about Bautista starting at this and that. If he wanted to start something, he would have charged the mound. Long before the hard slide at second base. This is, this I'm really is, curious I, how this would have played out if Justin Smoke didn't hit a ground ball to first or second or wherever the heck the ball went. I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. Because Bautista probably would have just yelled at some people coming off the field. I bet you Rigner still would have punched him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even joking yeah. about that. He wanted yeah. a fight. I mean, he low-bridged him with a throw, too. Yeah, that's that's yeah. hard to prove, but it certainly looks funny. But I mean, even like the, the the throwing angle is bad enough. I actually looked and compared it to some of his other double play turns. He does drop down, but not that far. But the real thing is, he did not get hit by Bautista. He couldn't. He didn't touch him, and the throw went twenty feet wide at first. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make a bad a throw that bad when you get taken out. When you don't, it, clearly you were trying to do something a little different. So. Sad and shameful. And, uh, yeah. Um, so I guess we should go to the part where we don't cheer on Kevin Pilar. <laughs> well, I mean, this, it, this again gets back to baseball screwed this up with their suspensions. They screwed it up royal. Giving Odor eight games, I mean, that's precedent. They should have changed the precedent and said, you know what? We're going to stop allowing this thing to be okay and giving him 15 games or 20 games or something. But we all knew it was going to be eight. Where they screwed up was Bush, as we talked about, and somehow Pilar and Donaldson escaping suspension. And Bannister. Well, Bannister's the manager. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, I have a serious problem with that, based on 
what they gave Gibby and the reason, the reasoning behind Gibby's suspension. But Gibby broke a very cardinal rule. I know, but the, the, the reason that was given was like egging on, like furthering like the fight, which Bannister no, did. The like reason that was given was times. coming back on the field and doing that. Like, it's got to be clear that it's the both of them combined. If he, I wrote about this actually in my reaction piece. The reason they had to do both is because John Farrell had the same thing happen where he got suspended for coming back onto the field. But in his case, he came back onto the field and pulled David Ortiz away. So they didn't, so they, when he appealed, they dropped the suspension completely. Okay. So, so I'm saying that, that that second bit about egging them on is required for them to actually suspend him for it. But they gave him three games because he's done it before. Right. Now, so I, I agree with like Chris super that Bannister was an absolute clown here and probably served, deserved some punishment because he was very much egging the fans on and egging everybody else on. He was being held back by four Rangers in the face of an umpire trying to shut him up. He was in the middle of the entire pack. Right. I like, just don't like think he, you can compare he, him to Gibbons specifically. That's just all I was trying to say. Like, it's totally different scenarios. Because there's no precedent for Bannister to be... Well, set a precedent. <laughs> right, yeah, well, no, that's I'm saying he should be suspended, change. that's fine. <laughs> but I'm just saying not because of Gibbons. Right. Well, I don't think Chris was saying that either. I think he was just... Yeah, we were just anyway, we bogged down in the detail. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's when you so, get, like, Pilar and Donaldson not getting suspended is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then um, Chavez getting a one-game, or a three-game? Three games. Three games and Bush getting none because no one had been warned when Bush hit people. That's the yeah. only difference. That was also, I mean, I, I thought when they didn't suspend him, they just could, they couldn't prove intent on it. And nope. no, they, they said he intentionally threw. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the, the whole discipline thing was messed up. Uh, so many different ways. Has anything been done right in this whole thing before we close it out? I think one person acted in the, in the correct manner. Can, can we all guess who that is? Well, I think there are two. All right. Prince Fielder. Yep. And Adrian Beltre. Beltre yeah. above Fielder, but yes, both of them. And, and Fielder Beltre, also... Who gave the nicest bear hug in history to Jose Bautista. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you don't want to go in there. There's people fighting. <laughs> We're just going to wait over here, away from everybody else. And nobody's going to come after me, because they all know if they're going to touch me, they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Chris? Well, Fielder, I'm assuming, for laughing off the hit by pitch and just running to first, but also he was kind of, he was in there breaking up he was. everything like at, through the entire fight. So yes, props to him as well. Yeah. The big man was going in there and throwing his weight around in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I didn't think, I don't think anybody thought we were going to come out and give props to two Rangers players in this whole thing, but I think that's the only person who escapes without a, what the heck were you thinking? Um, moment. I mean, Bautista to a lesser extent, I don't think he was really out of line. But if he really wanted to defuse it, he, yeah, I, I think Bautista escalated the situation. I don't think he turned it into punches. I think that was Odor on his own completely. But I don't think he uh, is absolved of blame. All right, Chris. I'm, before we leave this, I'm going to give you a chance to read the most ridiculous, profane response you got to the tweet. Okay, so my favorite one has to be from M F F L. He's got. An Ameri- he's an NRA member. He's got a eagle in his 
picture on Twitter. It's just, it's a nightmare. He's a walking stereotype. <laughs> exactly. And, so, and let's just be clear. Chris is using air quotes around favor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he said about six different things to me and I'm going to pick out my favorite one here. Uh, it was about the third one in, he said, can you imagine the embarrassment for Joey f- kids, six inches shorter and 50 pounds lighter, just knocked his wet back ass out laughing emoji. Well, you need to throw account. a little emoji in there for, <laughs> just to lighten the mood. And the uh, amount of people who are saying that he got knocked out or I can't, I can't tell you how many texts I got from angry people who don't like the blue Jays. Oh, Bautista just got his ass knocked out. No, he didn't. <laughs> he stumbled no, he backwards. did not. <laughs> he stumbled he, slightly because are we, are we just going to like move on from that tweet because that was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going back there. No, okay, let's just say that like that guy is like, just he's human garbage. I don't like calling people that. He is that. Well, he's move behaving on. like it. We'll give him that. No, he we'll is. Move on. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to the exciting rest of the week, where the Blue Jays proceeded to get absolutely destroyed by the Tampa Bay Rays twice, and then just one more time the regular way for good measure. Um in addition to losing late both times at the end of the Texas series. They won one game in since we recorded the last podcast. Uh, wow. You know, we didn't want the close ones. We were tired of the close ones, so we got rid of that problem after they left Texas. Um, <laughs> we can lay a lot of this now. I mean, in, in Texas, obviously, the bullpen was the usual problem, right? Um, but now we, we suddenly have run into a bit of a wall with the starting rotation where – both Marcus Stroman and Jay Hat back to back did nothing. Yeah, they got we, shelled. You know, we we I talked mean, about how it's like, well, this pitching is great. If just one of the hitting or the bullpen joins them, this team could take off. We didn't really address that if the starting pitching doesn't keep it up, this team looks really, really bad. <laughs> Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. <laughs> I think we should just replace the whole podcast with that song. <laughs> it's on a loop. It's like, and then we finish off. I'll put uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life at the very end uh, in, in fine, Monty, fine Monty Python tradition. Oh. I, I don't think there's really an explanation for back-to-back bad starts. Um, no, but, the, but also, I mean, it's been really four starts that were not very good in a row. Fair. I mean, Sanchez he did not deserve to allow six runs. You know, he left two runners on base with two outs, and Jesse Chavez did what Jesse Chavez does and gave up a home run that scored them all. But he still didn't pitch great. You know, he still gave up four runs with two guys on base, and he walked a few guys, command was off, and Dickey wasn't very good today. Yep. So, bad turn for the rotation at a very bad time. <laughs> Uh, I guess technically this, this whole season it would have been a bad time because nothing else was working. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So that, that that's I don't, the, what? Five-game winning streak with an off day. Uh, two off days. Uh, winning streak? Winning? winning yeah. <laughs> that's the, I want it to be a winning streak. I do. Sorry. <laughs> that's the five-game losing streak. By the way, neither the, Red, the Rangers or the Blue Jays have won since the brawl. <laughs> So no, fighting does not galvanize, galvanize the, team. the team. Yeah, that's another fallacy I'd like. That 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 could have been my cliche of the week if we had time for one because it just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and like blowouts for both teams. 
Yeah. A little distracted. Little little somewhere else. <sighs> do you do we want to go into any more details, gory details about this, or do we just want to move on to talking to Eno about uh some of maybe more of the finer things in life? The little well, details. I just, I just want to quickly address with this rotation. I, I don't feel, and I'm sure you guys agree, that this is all of a sudden the rotation has turned and they're going to go to crap. No, oh, no. Just a few bad starts, and these guys are still as good as they've been for the first part of the season. One would hope. Yeah. No, I, I don't think this is like, oh, finally all the, the warts are coming out. No. But. I mean, I don't think DJ Hap's going to have an ERA below two, but I, but I think that these are still good pitchers, and what they were doing early in the season wasn't fluky. Right. Absolutely. So on that positive note, which I, I believe is still possible at this particular juncture because it's only one week. Um, we are going to go talk to Eno Saris, who uh, from Fangraphs, who was kind enough to join me to chit-chat about his uh, up-close and personal chats with the Blue Jays this week. We'll be right back with him. joined now by Eno Saris of Fangraphs and uh, perhaps more importantly Beergraphs. I'm not sure which is you consider more important. How you doing, Eno? Well, that's less important. That's my night job. I had I was looking for a night job after baseball writing became my day job. Wow. That's most people aren't fortunate enough to get to that point, I don't think. I think a lot of us yeah. stick with the, the the night job as the twiddling our thumbs over baseball. I know, but then the stupidest thing is that I, you know, probably shouldn't have added another night job. I mean, I should probably see my children. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's uh, that as an option. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll be children forever, right? Exactly. Um, so uh, the Blue Jays just finished up a West Coast road trip where uh, absolutely nothing of note happened. Um, really, no significant sure. game related. So in, the, in in light of that, uh, you got uh, to see the Blue Jays, which doesn't happen uh, more than maybe once, maybe twice a year, but usually once a year because uh, your neck of the woods is not somewhere where they get out to. Uh, you got to, I guess, uh, speak again to a few Blue Jays. Josh Donaldson was someone who you talked to as an Oakland A more frequently. Um, is it is it a familiar relationship with him when you go back to talk to him again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He... he uh... He's he's not quite on the Granky and Votto level where we just basically bring up whatever conversation we've been having and continue it. Uh, but uh, it's it's pretty comfortable, and you know he's he's ready for all of my you know questions about his about his you know advanced stats or whatever. But in this time, he like other players who've begun to start doing this, he had basically something he wanted to talk about with me, and he wanted me to sort of look at. Um, and, uh, so in this case, I asked him, well, you know, you're pulling the ball, more fly balls, um, looks like it's great for your power. And he's like, yeah, sure. I, I like to do all those things. I like to pull fly balls. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and okay. And he's like, but I need to tell you something. Pitchers are out there trying to deceive us. And, and those Bach rules are no longer about the runner or about deceiving the runner. They're about deceiving me and Jose Bautista and all the guys with the long swing mechanics. And, you know, they're out there quick pitching us to death and uh and he had an example from that game the night before where jake peavy had had uh had basically quick pitched they called him on it and you know basically griped at him on the field and then he became he came to more of a set in the next pitch and edwin encarnacion hit a home run so um you know 
it's funny in the light of what's recently happened that this was kind of a policing on the field. Um, you know, in a way, Joey Bautista and, and Josh Donaldson chirping about him not coming set led to uh, PV becoming you know, coming more set in the next pitch, probably. Um, but um, doesn't mean I'm comfortable with the whole self-policing in general. I, I don't really like that idea. I think there's an idea about policing the uh, attitudes in the game and policing the rules of the game. I think it was th- there's the written rules and the unwritten rules, right? And what yeah. we saw all on the weekend, which I'm sure will because we fit these uh, these interviews in the middle, we'll have already talked about uh, <laughs> at great yeah, length. I, um, I don't really want to get there. But, no, it is an interesting distinction, the written versus unwritten, because I think people think of a lot of the quick pitching thing as an unwritten rule, um, that people don't like quick pitching because, not because it's against the written rules, but because it's unfair or, you know, somehow uh, trying to take advantage of the hitter. In fact, though, I went and looked in the in the rule book it's against the written rules. And it's not just even about the runner. It says that even when the pitcher is not pitching out of the stretch and there are no runners on, if this, the, 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 the pitcher has been found to try to intentionally deceive the batter by not coming set, that pitch can be uh, called a ball. I, so it is against the written rules. Quick pitching is against the written rules. It's just one that just like, you know, pine tar, the Michael Pineda pine tar stuff. It's something that happens so often that we've just decided to look the other way on a written rule. And I think that's where baseball really starts to get into trouble with balance because you have a bunch of written rules. You have a bunch of Bach rules um, as well, and they don't get, enforced stringently and then slowly they don't get enforced at all and then one side of the the game in this case i think pitching has had a pretty easy run lately as the strike zone has dropped and expanded at the bottom and now you can get fancy with hesitation moves and and quick pitches and everything else it's clear the hitters are are suffering just by the sheer number of strikeouts and how hard it is to draw a walk anymore and i think you know, baseball would be better to ad- address some of the stuff that's already there. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Bach thing in particular, too, is uh, so complicated that nobody wants to hear about it. You know I mean? yeah. It's, it's yeah. like one of those things that you'd have to really go into a whole segment where they, uh, and now we'll show you what a real delivery, uh, here's a Bach and blah, 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 blah. I think people would, their eyes would blaze over. So I think that might be part of the looking the other way. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, it's not uh, affecting the game. I think if, you know, Donaldson seemed to think that most relievers did it. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, it is something that's in the game. Relievers and, and Johnny Cueto types, a lot of, you know, Bartolo Colon, a lot of guys have figured out, a lot of these veterans have figured out that, you know, John Lackey even does it, um, that there are ways that they need to screw with hitters. And the longer the, the swings get to get more power, the more you're going to see this, I guess. And they say R.A. Dickey's starting to do it with his adjusted delivery. So it's not like the Blue Jays are innocent on this front. Right, yeah. Um, So one of the other folks, you talked to one of the Canadians on the team, Russell Martin. You said you you might have talked framing with him a little bit. Yeah, I came to him with with an idea. I I, I was looking around at uh, pass ball rates and wild pitch rates. And um, uh, they uh, have been going up. They're peaking. And, um, and, uh, so I think that, uh, I was like, well, I'll ask Russell Martin about this. And he was like, I think you just went and found something 
and you went digging and you found something. I don't think there's anything really there. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, you got me. Well, that is my job, pretty much. Uh, but I, I, I then asked him if, if he thought that framing and um, that he, if he thought that framing was a was a skill that ran counter to blocking. That basically by you know obsessing about stealing that strike, that um, that you might let that ball go by. Right. Right. And he he didn't really agree with that. I've had other guys like Travis Darno's had a problem with with blocking and he kind of thought maybe it is because I, I I've watched. I think even after the after I talked to him, I watched him in a game with a pass ball where I think he really stuck with the ball too long. I think he really thought he was going to maybe, you know, get a strike out of the out of the pitch that that ended up behind him. So um, he doesn't have a necessarily a problem with with uh, blocking balls. And they might just be two separate skills that I think baseball has decided they value framing higher, and they're not going to get a really good blocker because it just isn't worth as much. Wow. So I think that's probably just the answer to it, and it's not as sexy, and it might not lead to an article. But it did lead to Russell Martin kind of telling me his whole thing about you know how he frames, and it, it was kind of intuitive and very almost kind of sexy. <laughs> Well, I think what you do, you know, and, and why I appreciate reading your stuff is because you're doing something not a lot of people try and do. And if people haven't read a lot of what you do, again, I encourage them that you're trying to take all of these numbers that we have, which we have like millions of numbers associated with the game. And then we have players who are doing things that have nothing to do with, um, you know, number of rotations on the pitch or anything else. They're doing it intuitively and they're getting a certain result. And, and you're trying to see if numbers we have in a lot of cases mean something with the results that are actually coming out. I don't think there are enough people doing that in baseball. So I think that's maybe also why some players come to you and want to talk about what they want to talk about because they know that you're going to, to give them a perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there have actually, there've been more and more guys who kind of sought me out like Jed Lowry, Jed Lowry came running across the, 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 uh, the, the clubhouse day, you know, <laughs> that would be, uh, no, he came running around the clubhouse the other day and he said, I hit this ball at this launch angle with this exit velocity and it went this far. And then I hit the same ball in Houston and it didn't go as far and it can't just all be temperature. And so he sent me out on this whole basic research project that I'm, I'm now working for Jed Lowry. I'm going to, you know, try and kind of do like a heat map of outfield walls and basically show maybe where there's some wind effects. Anyway, that should be a real fun piece. Haven't seen anybody do anything like that. And it's really now that's really fun. I mean, even Zach Ranky last time I was talking to him was like at the end of it was like, I'm trying to think of questions now that I have you here. I have to think of questions for you. So, um, you know, I, I thought uh, it, it is more interesting now that they see me coming and, and have certain questions for me and have uh, certain answers ready for me, basically, in a way that we have uh, we sort of launch into a conversation. There's less. Uh, have you heard of fan graphs? You know, that sort of deal. I think people have realized you're not trying to reduce them to a series of numbers, um, which I think is what the fear has always been of from baseball players, right? That's when the nerds came, so to speak, was uh, I'm just a <laughs> yeah, stat sheet. Yeah. I, I, I've, been, I've been on a panel, too, where I said, you know, what I really want to do is uh, show how these numbers can, be, can help the player. You know, there's another perspective. Everybody thinks about numbers as sort of the GM perspective, but there's another perspective, which is the coach the pitching coach, the hitting coach. 
And those players, those those coaches are there to help the player. And they're oftentimes, not all of them, but oftentimes they're on top of the numbers just as much as anybody else. And they're they're reading the uh, the sort of front office type numbers, and then they're boiling it down in a way that the player can use to be better. So you know, I think that that's the sort of uh, conversation I'm jumping into. I'm jumping into the hitting hitting coach, pitching coach conversation a little bit more than the uh, overall sort of front office information. Indeed. Um, I think we got slightly turned to the left there, so I will redirect back to actual Blue Jays. Um, (laughs) You mentioned also the other well-known Canadian, the oft-traveled, and uh, you you and I were talking about oft-injured Michael Saunders uh, (laughs) had a few minutes for you. I like Michael Saunders when he's healthy. He seems to be an, a, a good all-round player and, a, and an excellent, a fine hitter, uh, but he certainly can't stay on the field, and he's, he's really trying to break that curse this year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we talked a little bit about um, uh, we talked a little bit about the different things that we've, that, we've, uh, that, that he's dealt with, and we, I, I kind of just wanted him to kind of just go through his different injuries as much as that was a sad conversation. To <laughs> so, uh, and he did it for me. And, um, you know, I did this once with Lowry even, and I expected uh, Saunders to kind of be like, Oh, they're all freak accidents. It's all freak. It's freak. It's freak. He didn't really go that direction. He was kind of just sort of explained each one and not in a way that didn't, that didn't say that like, this is never coming back, but just like, then that's what happened there. So what you know? So he had a lot of shoulder injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Here's something I didn't know about Michael Saunders. He was a pitcher. <laughs> he was a pitcher. He had a toasted shoulder from pitching. It was like a the labrum. Everything was bad. So you know, when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, that's explains because that explains some of the shoulder injury, and it's not something that everybody knows. Um, you know, and he was a pitcher until he started hitting better in, in college and then he was drafted as a hitter, but he was a pitcher, you know, as a kid and all the way up and almost was going to be drafted as a pitcher. When I asked him if he could, you know, be the emergency pitcher, he said, uh, no, no, no. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I guess his shoulder is toast in that way. So, uh, that was one thing. Uh, then we talked about the knee and he said, well, what really happened with the knee was yes, the sprinkler ridiculous bad, but what happened that was Worse and not uh, unforeseen was that once I kind of tore the meniscus, I had a bone injury there, a bone-on-bone sort of bone bruise. And uh, that didn't manifest itself until I got healthy enough from the surgery uh, to get on top of the knee again. And then it was like, wow, that's painful, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said that this was a common thing that happens with meniscus problems is that once meniscus is gone, the bone hits the bone and there's a bone bruise there. And so there's a bone situation. He said he's actually lucky enough that he didn't lose the whole meniscus and that, um, you know, the bone bruise is now gone. And he says that he's talked to other guys that have had that situation and they've had long careers afterwards. So it's not a full, uh, you know, whatever they call that when they remove the entire uh, meniscus. So it's it's not a Chase Utley situation where even Chase Utley's done pretty good with the bone on bone. But, um, you know, it's a it's a better knee situation than I thought going in. And then the the last one that's taken a lot of time here and there has been the oblique, and I understand he understands that that's uh, sort of nagging and takes him away off the field and stuff, and it, it does happen. But he said, you know, the only thing he can do about it is train for it. And he says that baseball has become an oblique sport, and I think he's right because 
if you, I, I was down in uh, driveline baseball is kind of a pitching mechanic school in, in Seattle uh, run by uh, Kyle body. And their biggest thing was they said that trunk, trunk velocity, trunk rotation velocity is one of the biggest predictors of overall velocity. And that's, so pitchers really have to get strong in the trunk. And then I was thinking about David Wright and all the sort of oblique injuries he's had and all the oblique injuries we've seen hitters had and thinking about how the hitter is trying to get his bat speed to match the pitching speed. And how do you do that except for trunk rotation? So, you know, I, for, for Saunders, I think it's the same sort of deal where he, you know, he's been injured in one place that everybody's been injured, the oblique. Uh, he has a crazy knee accident and then he has a shoulder thing that is related to pitching. So it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's not saying these things can't happen again. It's not saying they're all freak accidents, but he's saying, well, this is what happened to each one of them. And it's, it's once you look at it that way, you're like, okay, all right, I understand. Well, yeah, you got to go forward with what you've got, right? You can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't seem too down about it. And he said he checked with everybody about the knee thing. He felt better once uh, he heard some people say that they did okay with similar situations. So, you know. So lastly here, I wanted to touch on Marcus Stroman because we appeared to go from uh, interesting novelty pitch, which had uh, a lot of uh, good effect and was talked about, and somewhere we've transitioned to state secret because I heard he didn't really want to show off the grip anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said he gave that to your local TV channel, and then uh, he said he doesn't really want to do that anymore. So I don't <laughs> copyright. I don't, uh, uh, yeah, something must have happened there where he didn't feel that great about it. Uh, but you know, he then he then talked to me about how he found that grip and, and some of the stuff. Brandon Kennedy wrote a really good story about it, um, and I'm trying to take it in a new direction a little bit and talk about you know what's next for for Marcus Stroman. And I think that people don't realize. That he hasn't been pitching as a, you know, as a pitcher first uh, for a long time. Even when he was at Duke, the first couple of years, it was kind of uh, on again, off again. Kind of did two things. He said he became primarily a pitcher junior year at Duke, which is 2012. Uh, so you know, you know, even if you count the other two years before, you're only talking about six years of pitching, really. And uh, so he says he's learned. He used to be a totally different pitcher. He used to be four seam breaking ball guy with lots of pitches 110 pitches by the fifth inning and um and lots of punch outs and lots of fouls and lots of home runs and he said finding that that sinker really made him a totally different pitcher and um i think that when we look at what's what's going from here it's sort of bringing some of that other stuff back so now he's bringing back the four seam he's he's throwing the cutter more now and he trusts it more uh he's getting more depth on the breaking balls now that he's a year healthy from the knee, and he's been a whole offseason getting uh, healthier. His release point's a little bit higher, so he's getting more depth on those breaking balls. So that's what I think has been happening the last three games where he's really shown more depth, more uh, swinging strikes um, on the on the curveballs uh, and the sliders and, uh, and mixing in those cutters uh, against lefties and really uh, showing us what can maybe come for Strowman. So I think he can really push that to almost you know seven, eight strikeouts per nine, and combine that with that 60% ground ball rate and just be uh, just a really great, really high floor pitcher um, that may not have the, you know, crazy strikeout rates of some of the other aces out there, but can is more likely to put up like, you know, like Dallas Keuchel year last year. I think he can, he's, he's more likely to be able to kind of find a way to sustain that for many years because, you know, he has more velocity than Keuchel. He has that same ground ball floor. And now he can add in those the spinning the spinning pitches, and um, I don't know if he'll ever find a changeup. He he seems 
he was kind of like, I love the pitch, but I hate the pitch. I don't, I don't love my changeup right now. If he does find that changeup, then he could be an ace's ace, somebody we talk about for, for years and years. But uh, even without that, I think he's going to be a very good pitcher, and I think we're going to see even a little bit more this year. It seems to me like some pitchers tinker with the changeup literally their entire career and, and never get happy with it. Um, yeah. Though they claim they're almost happy with it. They just yeah. can't break it out. Um, all right. So we mentioned beer graphs off the top, and I would like to give you an opportunity. You have some beer graphs news. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm coming out with a book called The Craft Beer Lover's Guide to Baseball, and it's basically just a, a guide to the best beer in and around stadiums uh, for all the all the major league teams. And so brought you know got recommendations from different writers in, in each of the cities uh, beer writers, baseball writers, have a couple beer graphs writers helping me edit it and, and put this together. Should have some leaderboards and some maps that help you kind of design. Like if you were like, hey, I'm going to go to Baltimore, I, you know, in the chapter it's like, well, here's a pub crawl you can do where you go from the inner harbor, you can have some crab in the inner harbor, and then just walk this, this pub crawl over to uh, the, the baseball stadium, and you can just, you know, have a good time all the way. And uh, so it's, you know, Gonna cost like you know two ninety nine or something, maybe half a beer, uh, in order to make sure that you've got like an idea of what your plan is. You know, sounds like good fun. I am sure more than one or two of our listeners enjoy uh, both beer and a baseball game simultaneously, so to speak. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think they'll enjoy it. We can find you on the Twitter at Enosaris, E N O S A R R I S. Correct. That's right. Yeah. And of course, yeah. almost every day at Fangraphs, it seems. You know, honestly, I wouldn't mind being every day in that clubhouse. It was a fun clubhouse. There's definitely a lot of you know energy types, and it's not the kind of structured, uh, fractured clubhouse that you sometimes get. It was definitely, you know, having a guy like Joey Bats in there is really, really good because he is a link between uh, two and three different parts of the clubhouse, and he's a he's a everyday you know bat first superstar that everybody will listen to. And he can speak two languages. It's really important to have somebody like that in your clubhouse. And, you know, it, it kind of goes beyond what he does on the field. And, you know, I think that they're going to rally around this sort of stuff. I mean, why, why are you really going to rally around the Brian McCann School of Baseball? You know, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that, you know, Joey Votto was talking about how Bryce Hopper said we want to make f- baseball fun again. And so he, if you watch Joey Votto, he's having more fun. Yes, it's trolling you know, people in the fans in Philadelphia and, and not throwing them balls and, uh, you know, doing little celebrations and stuff. But it's fun, you know. And I think that more young fans in particular are going to come down on the side of, you know, there was nothing wrong with Joey Bats's bat flip. So that's the core of this entire argument. You can almost let everything else fall away and say there is nothing wrong with a little flair in baseball. So... Wow. That's that's my piece, and and I, and I did I really enjoy that clubhouse. I think you know Donaldson's funny, uh, Aaron Sanchez surprisingly outspoken. I don't know how he is in the media, but uh, uh, he was he was he was making some jokes and yelling around. And uh, Russ Martin just calm. He's like your grandpa. I mean, he's a little bit older. I'm not I'm not making a joke. <laughs> you know, he's he's more like your calmer, uh, calming influence. You know, and. Uh, and then you got uh, Joey Bats, who's sort of in between. So it's just a real nice clubhouse, and uh, let's see, let's see if they can get the the pitching and the you know everything together this year. 
Well, it's good to know that they're good. Uh, it seems like they're remaining calm on the inside because on the outside, they've been a little bit up and down to start the season. But uh, we do thank you for your insight and your perspective, Mr. Saris. And uh, I hope we get a chance to talk to you again soon. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thanks for dropping by. Bye-bye. So, uh, I'd like to thank Eno for coming on. Uh, always good to hear his uh, one-on-ones with uh, the players and how they've turned out. Yeah, you know, it's like then I see your people talking honestly. Like that the players are honest. Like Saunders about his leg and that the you know the stuff about the clubhouse. You don't usually get that stuff, so it's you know, a little more fun. Pretty cool. Um, okay, so we're gonna do some listener questions first, and then we'll do the rehab update. That makes sense. Well, uh, our rehab update might come well, out with yeah. questions. A little bit. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I guess the, the first question is one of our rehab candidates. What's the corresponding roster move when Travis gets back? Yeah, so, I mean, this is the big news in the positive department for Blue Jays fans. Devin Travis is rehabbing. And, you know, he's rehabbing well. He's He was 5 for 14 in Dunedin, and he just got called up to Buffalo. So... I mean, he looks like he's healthy and ready, so no month long. So I think it honestly, it should be Goins goes down now. Yeah, yeah he's getting because, pretty unplayable. Yeah, yeah, like you got to be able to do something other than catch and throw the ball, and uh, it's apparent that no, that's not happening right now. I mean, if he goes down to AAA and the adjustments, yada yada yada, whatever, you can always call him back up and DFA Barney if you think he's got something real special. But at this point, he's a black hole. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. he's been the worst hitter on this team, and this team has Russell Martin. Ooh. Oh, very nice, that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the Blue Jays' uh, other news, they picked up uh, Jimmy Parides on waivers from the Orioles. Um, he has some pop in his bat, and then that led to the question from A Year of Beer. Is Jimmy Parides the second coming of Juan Francisco? Chris, your thought. Can, can we hope for the first month of Francisco? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that, that would be perfect. The rest, not so much. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're actually good comps. Uh, Francisco has way more power than Paredes does. Mm. The, the home run today, notwithstanding, in his 10 home runs in 100 games last year, you know, that's probably more what he is. But he's a guy, he, he makes contact, and he can play a bunch of positions. None of them very well, but he can play them. You know, he's he's a, more, he's a better hitter than Juan Francisco. It's like if who if you throw him a curveball, he's out. Yeah. So my answer is no. He's not the second coming Juan Francisco. <laughs> I think that you can actually hope for some sustained performance from Paredes. Sounds like a plan. Um, oh, here's one. Um, I guess I don't really have to hand this to anybody. No questions, just a prayer request for the Jays. That's from <laughs> at Senzel three thousand. We're with you, uh, Senzel. <laughs> dear baseball gods, stop. Please, just please stop. We well, maybe they're going to send. They, they're maybe they're answering our prayers by having some people getting healthy, since we just lost Brett Cecil for a month, which not very good. Oh yes, yeah. uh, quickly, Chris. What did he tear? A lat. And where would I find that? <laughs> In your back region, Greg. <laughs> and how would I hurt it while pitching? 
Do you want me to count the ways? Because there's plenty. <laughs> yes, it's very close to the shoulder. <laughs> so you're saying um, he was he's a pitcher? And he's broken. <laughs> yeah, so they think he's going to be out a month. But Aaron Loop is on the rehab trail. Which, I mean, Aaron Loop was counted on for a lot this year. And then Franklin Morales was counted on for a lot this year. And then Pat Venditti. And then on and on and on. But you know, I think it's a, a lot less has been made out of the lack of a consistent lefty in the bullpen than than should have been at this point. Part of the reason I believe the bullpen has been this bad is because Givens does not have has never had a left hander he trusted. Yeah, I mean, Loop's first appearance was terrible. He threw one inning. He walked four batters. He gave up two hits. <laughs> he did strike someone out. Oh well. Yeah. But I mean, it's a rehab outing. He hadn't. He didn't even have a spring training really, or at all. So you know, him coming back could be really huge. I mean, he, you know, last year he wasn't very good, but he was very, very good for the three years prior. So he could be a nice bit of reinforcement. And we got your other man, my bow, your bow. <laughs> yes, Schultz is also on a rehab assignment. He's been sent to Buffalo. So you know, he's better than what they've gotten from some of their other pitchers. <laughs> Oh, that's a bone chilling thought this week. Okay. Uh, let's see. I will, I, I've been asking them all this week. I'll just keep asking them. Um, from Travis Stewart at Travis G. Stewart. My question is why? Oh, why did you break the glass on Buck and Pat's incessant shift talk? It's all they talk about. <laughs> Chris. Chris, I'm sorry. <laughs> I take full blame for this. <laughs> I would talk about it again this week because they went on a rant about it this game tonight. I'm sorry there isn't time. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, really, they've been talking about it for a long time. We just got fed up enough with it that we thought you should all share in our pain. Isn't that really the truth, Chris? Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's not us. It's them. <laughs> it's them. Always <laughs> And our final question is from our regular contributor to the question segment uh, at B underscore B, big underscore B underscore SR. Brian, who is the most plausible trade candidate if we're going to have a fire sale? And why is it Kevin Pilar? <laughs> Josh. Wait, you have to say it. You have to. He, he gave at, some, he, There you go. Gideon Turk. Yes. <laughs> Excellent shade throw towards Gideon. Love it. <laughs> Uh, I don't really want to address this for real. So I'm just going to say why it's Kevin Pillar. Yep. Because he's Gideon's favorite player. That's why. I would say because he's the one guy who they have a a, a, a young rookie slotted in AAA who could theoretically be better than him in most aspects. So you could say it's Kevin Pillar. Other than why would you trade away a controllable young player? But pff, what's control when you have Dalton Pompey in the wings, right? <laughs> maybe not alright we are going to go now I think Does that, that covers all our questions do we cover all of our rehabbers yes I see them on the list we're going to go uh, get a special guest and come right back in just a second and play swing and a drive like I promised and we are about to once again play everyone's favorite game around here swing and a drive and in order to do so, we brought on a special guest tonight, Ian Hunter. You will know him as the Blue Jay Hunter. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. Ian, how are you doing? Um, well, after tonight's game, not great, but I'm glad we have some levity in store here. This will kind of help soften the blow a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 
We're going to remember that whether the Blue Jays are doing well or not, and not is definitely applicable, uh, Buck Martinez is still going to say weird things about, well, fly balls mostly. Um, so you're familiar, uh, for those who are not familiar with the game, I just want to clarify, it requires no skill. I think that's most important to remember, is there's none involved. Um, I refuse to have... agree as the every-time champ. Oh, yeah, special note, you're not playing. <laughs> <laughs> because you are the every-time champ. We've, you've, you've, we've sent you off to pasture, or whatever it is you do with a racehorse that does very well. And Okay, I don't want to picture that at all. Um, <laughs> we have clips of Buck Martinez split into two parts. Uh, one before he announces what the play is, uh, one afterwards. Um, I only give you the player. Some of these will be fly balls. Some of these will be home runs. And some of these will be extra base hits. And we're just going to see if by that first half of the call, you can make an educated guess, ha ha, as to what the second half of the call is going to be. Are you ready to play Mr. Hunter? I guess... Uh, we'll, we'll ask Mr. Sherwin, are you ready to play? Always. Let's go. All right, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm, be ready to go first because you've played before. I think uh, you have a, an advantage. Nice start. Already, I know. I don't. I rarely see any righties coming out of that pin anymore. Oh, it hits it hard to center field. Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh. Oh. There we are. Jackie Bradley Jew. <laughs> Your. Chris, home run, fly ball, extra base hit. Fly ball. And Ian? Um, I'm going to say fly ball mostly because it's Ryan Goins and it's also to center field. <laughs> fair. Fair. Let's see what happens. Runs it down. Boy, can he go get him. Right up yeah. against the wall in center. Well, he actually got it up against the wall. So that's a point each, gentlemen. Good start. Good, good firm start. I also I love have how our Ryan opening going... clip was Buck praising someone on the other team. <laughs> it would probably be our closing clip, too, at this rate. Uh, we have, for your pleasure, and Ian, you'll have to answer this one first, Edwin Encarnacion. I'm going to go home run just solely off the sound of the ball that came off the bat. Nothing to do with Buck. Disregard Buck entirely. <laughs> just the way that ball sounded off the bat, I'm saying that's a home run. I, I have to say home run, too, for the exact same thing. The crack was just, it was too much. gentlemen now i i do have bad news for you if you both keep answering the same <laughs> the good news is neither of you will lose i'll still remain the undefeated champion no one else will have won we will also keep playing until the year 2019 <laughs> so i have uh i have six queued up so just in case we we have to have a tiebreaker where i force you to a different result but uh we will try hey edwin encarnacion again so we've had an extra base hit. What will we have there? With two runs in the second. They added two more in the fourth. And there's a deep drive to left. I like when Buck is interrupted by the play occurring. I love those clips. Like, oh, geez, I was doing a promo and they're playing again. Deep drive to left. Chris. Play by play guy. I'm going with home run again. Uh, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say fly ball. <laughs> All right. Deep drive to left. And Connoisseur jumps on this pitch, and it is gone. And- Chris, you yes! have the lead. Now, now, Ian, did you go with the fly ball just to be different? It sounded like you did. No, I just, there was no, there was barely any crowd reaction. And then it didn't come until after the fact. Which it was weird. That was in Baltimore. So the crowd was happy, but only yeah. after the home run was actually. Yeah, there was, a good, there was a good crowd reaction after that home run. Was there not? There was. Yeah. I, I would have sworn yeah, that was, was at home. No, On no. a road game. You know, I think that was September 30th in Baltimore. That was the clinching series, according uh, to the coach. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, so there were a lot of people there. Hoping. Uh, next, Encarnacion. All these balls are to left field, aren't they? They're all Encarnacion. <laughs> yeah, but just Encarnacion over and over. I decided that was going to be my theme, pretty much. Um, that means that, uh, let's see. I've, I've lost track. Who went first last time? I don't want to be unfair. I, I went first. I went first last time. So, no, Chris, Chris, you're up. So I'm just wrong. Chris? Yes? What do you call that? I call that a... Extra base hit. Extra base hit. Ian? Um, I'm also... I'm, like, trying to envision the, the, <laughs> the trajectory of that ball. <laughs> and I don't think it quite has enough on it. So I'm gonna also going to say extra base hit. He's got room right in front of the scoreboard. Carrera tags. Oh, oh. you have been back. <laughs> Still in the lead. <laughs> See, I think Ian's problem right now is he's trying way too hard to assume things here. Yeah. Is, am, I over, am I overthinking it? I have <laughs> emphasized that this is a game of no skill. None. Um, I, I, I'm going to try and make you guys feel good because my, my next clip is Devin Travis. You remember him? I've heard yes. of him, yes. For, former Toronto Blue... Or, or, I mean, current Toronto Blue Jays. He's on <laughs> his way back, gentlemen. I think he deserves a place in this just for being in AAA. As, uh, a, as a, a bit of a side note, um, is anyone else like really surprised he's coming back? Because I remember Jeff Blair saying he would be surprised if he wasn't going to come back at all this year. I mean, I tend not to put too much stock on Jeff Blair's predictions about who and what... <laughs> <laughs> will happen with the Blue Jays, but I, I, I'm also I am surprised that it's this fast because even then they were saying, yeah, we hope maybe baseball activities in late May, and you know he's already being promoted to Dunedin and it's May 18th. Yeah, yeah. Promoted to Buffalo, and Buffalo's yes, yeah. I so see. this is good. This is great news. It is. Yeah, <laughs> there's actually good news on this podcast. Yeah. All right, and now we have a little flashback second base to go get the ball and still make the play there's a ball driven to center field adam jones on the right Ooh. Uh, i believe ian it's your turn um i i'm gonna try not to overthink it and i'm just gonna say fly ball <laughs> all right chris i'm going with uh, another extra base hit another extra base hit he's not gonna get it he plays it on a hop. Smoke is going to stop at third. Devin Travis. And there you go. That is a 3-1 lead for you, Chris. And we have but one clip left. Make it worth three. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's like but every just... game show on television. And the final bonus lightning round is worth ten times as much as wait, the rest of the game. Wait, wait a second, gentlemen. Can we go to the judges? Did that not sound like a single? 
Oh, play it back. Oh, I, I have it as a double. He played it off on a hop. Off the wall. Ah, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm trying. I'm trying. Get away with a technicality. That's I like great. this. I'm trying. I'm trying everything I can possibly do here, and it's not helping. Let me yeah. have this, Ian. I always lose. Fine. <laughs> so we have a three-point question. Jose Bautista. High and deep drive to left. That's all you get. <laughs> Out. And Ian. Um, let's go home run. That a boy. I wish Ian I could say Michael Brantley back. It's going to hang up. He's oh. on the edge of the warning track. Bautista just missed the home run. I would have got Anything home run on that one too. Just on the edge of the warning track. <laughs> this is that better be Chris applauding for himself. <laughs> that was absolutely me applauding for myself. No one else is I have never for Chris. won. Never won this game before. Excellent. I mean, come on. So now you're going to be the guest of honor every time, Ian. <laughs> can I say? Can I say that this this is actually much more difficult than I imagined? Because as <laughs> as most people think, it's like it's either one or the other with with Buck. But this was much more difficult than I anticipated. There that just is, is no consistency. No, there absolutely isn't. It doesn't matter wh- and whether they're on the at home or on the road. There's just it's all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why we love Buck Martinez, because uh, we've said it a couple of times. The amount of material he feeds into this podcast, is, <laughs> we should probably send him a little, maybe a, a check or a gift certificate for the LCBO or something. I think next um, time we should do uh, Swing and a Drive, but with Dan Schulman, and we'll all just get everything right, because it will all make sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us, Ian. And well, thank you very much for having me. It was lots of fun. And hopefully this uh, somehow breaks a jinx magically and the, the Blue Jays' fortunes turn because of this little uh, exercise here. Yes, let's hope so. All right, have a good night. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. for coming by. So, that was a fun little game. And that means we are in the home stretch here. And in the home stretch, I generally ask for a final thought, uh, which I will start with you. Chris, I will ask you for a final thought first because your final thoughts are of the most high quality. <laughs> hey. I'm feeling that was just a tad bit of sarcasm in there, Gregory. But I still managed to make Josh feel bad. <laughs> still got a hay out of him. So he got both of us. <laughs> uh, Non-Jays related, um, uh, stealing Josh's thunder from last week. Uh, just want to give the White Sox a shout out because they turned their second triple play of the season tonight as we were recording this podcast. What? Yep. That's insane. Cool, too. All right. Yeah. Uh, and Josh? Okay, so, well, two things. One, we got a question from Quinn that was asking us about how many players have hit game tying and uh, home runs in the ninth and then go on runs in the 10th. We don't know. <laughs> That's a question for the Elias Sports Bureau. Who are not Google... terribly cooperative. Yeah, well, they're busy. But just for Quinn, <laughs> Google Art Shamsky. You will find a fun one. That's what I'll say there. And my actual final thought uh, Rob Benfred, our good buddy from the commissioner's office, was talking about pace of play again, our favorite topic. And he, he's, you know, he's going on. It's like, oh, but it's not replay. You know, that's not the issue. You know, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the reason that the pace of the games is terrible. The new rule has managers looking into the dugout on every double play ball to see who was there in a legal slide. So even though the average replay is less than one per game, that's not the average delay for replay. 
Indeed. And, and then and he started yeah. he started talking about like maybe putting in pitch clocks, and as we know from Doctor Mike Son's comments, that would be very bad for pitcher health. Yep. So uh, just do that over. Just freaking the the rule about reshape replay should be real simple. If you gesture to the umpire, that's a replay. <laughs> End of story. Okay. No no video room. <sighs> yeah, nice and simple. All right, I am going to tell people things that i normally tell people um i'm going to tell them that your twitter handle is at joshua Housem and chris is you still there chris i'm still here you didn't doze off during that whole little segment all right uh is at cw sherwin and mine is at coolhead 2010 and that means that this hmm? our guests uh, well, i'm getting there you, you don't you never listen to these whole things Means that this has been. <laughs> I, have no, I thought you were going to throw the Twitter handles out for their guest for our guests. Oh, for our guests. I'm sorry. Eno at Eno Saris. Uh Ian Hunter at Blue Jay Hunter. Which means that you have been Joshua Housem and Chris Sherwin. I have been Greg Wisniewski. Our guests were Ian Hunter of the Blue Jay Hunter and Eno Saris of Fangraphs. And this was Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 12. And we will see you on a hopefully much happier week next week. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. That's how this rain goes. Come on, join.